Welcome to the Spirituality Out Loud podcast, where you'll hear real-life stories of people's unique spiritual journeys in their own words from their own viewpoints. Hosted by Leslie Seidel, relationship expert and spiritual mentor, who specializes in working with people on their relationships, from their romantic life to their work life and just plain life. Here's Leslie. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Spirituality Out Loud podcast. I, of course, am Leslie Seidel, and today I have Quinn Fontaine, who is a proud transgender guy, author, and inspirational comic. Hi, Quinn. Hi, Leslie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. And I am so excited to hear more about your story. You just came out with an, I mean, an autobiographical book, right? It's, uh, it doesn't get more honest than this. Hung like a seahorse. A real-life transgender adventure of tragedy, comedy, and recovery. Came out three months ago. Nice. And it's already bestseller internationally. It's doing really great. Yes. I mean, I feel so blessed. It's really about the stars aligning. Yeah. This was the, the, one of the hardest creative, probably the hardest creative project I've ever done. Because it really brought up a lot of my unhealed trauma that I thought I'd gotten all out of my system. And, you know, it's, it's about everything. I'm, I'm in recovery from... Crack, you know, multiple addictions, crack cocaine, alcohol, pills, pots, sh- shopping, food, sex and love, everything but gambling. Imagine that. Everything but gambling. Um, yeah. But, um, and all of that stemming from pre-verbal childhood sexual abuse at the hands of my dad as a baby. So it's heavy duty stuff, but there's also a lot of funny in there and there's a lot of hooking back into hope because mm. it's a miracle I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. I was out there chasing death for quite a few years I wasn't brave enough to commit suicide and I didn't want to do that to my mom, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it to look like an accident with an overdose many times. And, and there was a moment with that crack, with the crack cocaine use in particular that I I did touch death Mm -hmm. and my soul chose to come back. Mm -hmm. It was a really profound moment. And my soul chose to come back knowing I wasn't done. Mm -hmm. Here I am meeting you and, and just uh, getting to hopefully, hopefully inspire a couple people and and light people back up to, to why they're here. You know, if you're here, there's a reason. If you're here, your work's not done. Nice. And by, I don't say work by, you know, oh, the drudgery and the drudgery. No. What lights you up? What gifts and talents can only come through you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know you do. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Did you, were you raised with any religion? Did you have any access to a spiritual life? Did you, was there anything that happened? Like, what was your experience growing up? really a great question. It's, I have such a very weird answer, but it's honest. Um, my dad was in the service and we basically, my sister and I, there were only two kids. We would get sent off at a certain age, um, probably five and upwards. We would get sent off with neighbors to go to their churches. So every weekend it was a different church and because it was on the military base. And it was, my, my parents grew up, uh, they had dismissed religion I don't know the full story. No one seems to know the true story of what happened there. Um, they grew up pretty loose with religion in their homes um, in, the, in the South, in Fredericksburg, Virginia. But uh, I was born in the Philippines, and then we moved all around the world. My dad put in for reassignment every six months. So before I was six years old, we had moved eight times. Wow. So I'm actually wrong with the church thing. I think probably by three, when I was probably three or four, um, we started getting sent off with different neighbors to go to their churches, but I only remember, so I only remember children's church and cookies and 
and kids, but it was always different, so nothing stuck. Then later, when I would go to church uh, with my cousins, I always felt guilty because I didn't know the lingo, I didn't know the Bible, I didn't know anything. But it would still be in the children's church playing with kids. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a comic at heart. I'm, that's what I love. I mean, I was always the class clown, so I could connect with anybody. But the minute it was like, it felt like right and wrong with, with knowing Bible stuff, I, I didn't know a thing. So that always felt weird. I had the exact same experience, by the way. Like I, 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 I wasn't, my parents didn't go to church. And so whenever I went, I felt like there was a really strict set of rules that I didn't know. Right. And God forbid I asked. Right. And I just knew that I was breaking them. And so I was like, I'm not doing this was not, it didn't feel welcoming. It didn't feel, you know, um, with my particular way of being, I like to feel like I'm doing it right. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I had the exact same experience of like, uh Oh, I'm not wearing the right clothes. I'm not, I, I need a hat and any lepers or something like, I don't know. Well then, and going to church with my grandparents, even around the holidays and stuff, I didn't know what was right or wrong around communion. Like I didn't feel right going to get wine and body of Christ and all this other stuff when I didn't understand it. And I, and I'd have people looking at me like, how dare you? I, I mean, I didn't know, but that, you know, talk about, talk about another place in our culture where no one's talking about anything. You know what I mean? Like, just tell me, is it okay that I'm here? And if it's okay, if I'm here, what can I, and can I, can I not do that? You know, I just don't want to offend people. So what's proper, if you will, in this setting? I want to be mindful and respectful of this church or this synagogue or this mosque or wherever I am. Help me know what's okay, if it's okay if I'm even here, and then how do I participate? But it's like nobody knows how to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. My story and it's some of your story. How many other people have that weird feeling, you know? But um, so that's how I grew up with it. And then... You know, and I've been to many kinds of different churches around in different places, but nothing ever hooked me or made me feel like I'm missing something, that, that I really want to have that in my life. Until I moved to Los Angeles in about 1996 from San Francisco, and I'd gone down uh, with a feature film I had done. I, didn't, I was reluctant to go to Los Angeles. It seemed big and scary and overwhelming, and, and it was. Mm -hmm. I went down with a, a film I did, and it's pretty funny. It was a independent gay girl feature film. I had the lead role as the lesbian, as the lead lesbian. I love that. Hilarious. And I didn't, of course, didn't have this then. <laughs> I'm three years into my transition female to male now. Um, so I went down with that movie and I did a couple interviews uh, with different people. At the end of two different interviews in particular, uh, both journalists, unbeknownst to each other, handed me a business card. And it said Agape International Spiritual Center of Truth. And but, but why? Like, did they say something about, like, did they invite no, you? They, they said, you're, I know you're new in town. You're super funky. You've got a huge heart. You, you might want to check this place out. Like, they just, they thought I would resonate with Agape. Okay. So they're handing me a card, and I'm reading it and getting the gist of it, that it's a church without it saying church. And so in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, but thanks. You know, I was very kind, but I was like, in my mind, I'm like, no. Well, but I kept both cards mm -hmm. on my desk. Fast forward uh, six months, I'm hugely depressed. Nothing in my life is working. Finances are stressed. I'm regretting my move to LA. It just felt too overwhelming, too scary. And I was trans and not ready to face that or deal with that. 
Mm-hmm. And so the idea of going out for girly roles, it was just everything was not right. I was ready to walk into the ocean and be done with life. I mean, I really thought I could hold my breath and say goodbye. And then I really was pretty clear about that, like, probably not. And verbatim, I said out loud, I might as well try, try that effing church place. That's what I said. Because I got yeah. on my desk. And, and it was, they had a Wednesday night service and a Sunday morning service. And so, but you didn't, you had no desire when you got the cards, yet you decided to keep it. There was a little wormhole in the back of your ear. If I got the exact same card too, in a two day period, yeah, something told, that's a God moment. Even if yeah. I didn't, wasn't doing business with God big time or the God of my understanding at that time, even. Yeah. Something I always... I tend to do get the two things and then I throw a little like challenge. Give me a third. If you really want me to, <laughs> you really want me to go, give me a third. <laughs> and so I went, you know, I went uh-huh. it was a Wednesday night service, mm-hmm. Agape International Spiritual Center, 1996. They were, they're in LA over on, they were at the time over on Centinella and, and Olympic near Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And I went and Reverend Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith is out of town. He's the main guy. He wasn't even there. It was Reverend Joanne Stedman. And she's now in the Bay Area. She just opened up the Agape Bay Area branch literally last weekend. But I went into this warehouse and I was a little bit like, what is is this place? But the minute I got in the sanctuary, oh, and they had a bookstore. And I thought, a church with a bookstore? Like, I just was so out of it. I didn't know that that even happens, you know. But I was like, okay. And uh, walked into the sanctuary. And I'll tell you what, Leslie, it was one of the first times in my life that I had the cognitive knowingness and the awareness in a, in a feeling tonality of sitting down fully into myself. Mind, body, and spirit could all be safe, come together, and sit down in that chair. It was like I'd never, it was like I hadn't sat down before in myself. Hmm. It was a safe space. No part of me needed to be hypervigilant, wondering if it's safe, you know, with my trauma stuff. And I looked around and I saw such diversity in terms of ethnic groups. Um, diversity, I saw some, some gay couples. I saw a drag queen. Come on, that's God helping me out and having a wonderful sense of humor. Like, what are the odds that a drag queen is going to be in a Wednesday night service dressed to the nines and looking like they're going to a drag show? So and it's a big, it's a big space, right? It's a lot of people. Yes. A lot of people. Yeah. And then, um, and then the music starting and, and the tears just started flowing. Mm. A river of tears just flowing down my cheek. And next thing I know, there's a Kleenex committee. People are coming over with Kleenex. Like it's part of their deal because so many people have that kind of a uh, emotional, you know, cleansing, if you will, just a release. So there's a Kleenex committee. <laughs> and so I like that, I'm like, wow, that's cool. And then it was just, it was just amazing. And I found myself going there more and more. And to this day, I can say that Agape is one of the reasons I'm still on the planet. Part of my weekly practice, I tune in, you can live stream for free anywhere around the world, Wednesday night service and two services on Sunday with an early morning Sunday med- meditation teaching at, at, um, session if you will as well so it's phenomenal the music's phenomenal i don't know if you know know their work a little bit yeah michael's been on super soul sunday a bunch of times he's a lot of people know him from the secret Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just been it's incredible it's a wonderful community to be a part of and i got really lucky michael wrote the um 
book endorsement for the front of my book. Nice. So, but did you, so before this, like you had random experiences at church, which didn't feel spiritual. It just was what you were taken to. Felt dogma. It felt dogma and, and dissociative. I felt dissociate. I didn't feel a part of, and it felt too formal. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel heart based at all. It was more here. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just rote. It was what you what you what you read and study and recite and memorize, and and that's what you believe. It didn't. It wasn't a lot of investigation. It didn't feel mm-hmm. like. And then you you didn't sound like you sought out a spiritual life, but you were paying attention to synchronicity. Yes. Did you, did you call that synchronicity? Yes. Were you aware of the Jungian like energy? So you were aware of energy and participated in flow of that. Was that, did you think of that or experience that as a spiritual life or was it just, you know, what was that for you? Yeah, I think, well, my spiritual life, um, I read a ton of self-help books. I was always looking for things, exploring connection. I just had a really hard time with the word God. You know, I really did. And growing up um, trans before there was even a word for me Mm -hmm. um, and like, and and being straight, I'm a straight guy with breasticles that get removed Mm. on Friday. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My first surgery is Friday. Um, So that's another layer, like growing up liking girls as a little boy in the wrong body Mm -hmm. that I couldn't talk about any of it. Right. But I did know what I did pick up on, what I did hear was that all the world's religions weren't too fond of my people. So there was another le- le- layer of wounding in me that, well, if there is a God, God doesn't want me based on what I'm hearing from all these other churches and places. Mm. And, you know, I knew that. So when I did have an issue with God and the word God, not God, but the word God and, and mm-hmm. humanoids understanding and dogma around it. When I first started going to Agape and they would say, God, I'd insert the acronym from Julia Cameron with the artist's way, she says, say good orderly direction or, mm-hmm. or something else that works for you. So every time they'd say God, I'd be like, good orderly direction. In my mind, I'm like fixing it, fixing it. So I could be so stay there, right? Mm-hmm. And then slowly that fell away. I didn't need to do that anymore. And then, then slowly, thank God for recovery. Recovery in the 12-step program often says the God of your understanding. Mm-hmm. And I can do business with the God of my understanding. And I can be you know, can be more real with mm-hmm. that. It doesn't have to be formal. It can be human. I can know that the God of my understanding created all of it. The seeming good, the seeming bad, the seeming ugly, all of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So is agape, um, would you consider it Christian? It's transdenominational. So it's everything. They take the through lines of all the major world religions because mm-hmm. they find that there is a through line. Big one. About love. Mm-hmm. About a world that works for everyone about all kinds of stuff it's it's and they do call it trans denominational and as a trans guy i kind of like that's fine <laughs> yeah well and then and then just that you have you walked in and energetically felt that which is holy i felt home i felt like i was home yeah and it is a rare time that i tune into agape when i don't connect and if i tune in and i don't connect it's because my vibration is so low and I'm in such d- despair that it seems too loud, too fast, too happy. Because it is. It's vibrating way too high. I can't, I can't go there in those moments. But that's been maybe twice. Over how many years is that? I, I don't do math. But since yeah. 96, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And so that was your first encounter. So now you're a regular at Agape. Yes, I'm agape. a member. And, uh, I'm an Agape. And so, and so then what... 
how did that, how has that looked over time? It's a long time to be this member and you also get sober at this point. And so you're part of the 12 step community. Tell me kind of either how your path has been or what does your spiritual life look like today? Well, uh, my practice every morning I wake up, I hit the chair and I'm in meditation for 20 minutes mm. because if I don't get there first, of course I get a, um, a coffee or something and then mm -hmm. sit down. But if I don't get there within five minutes or so, this is just way off and running and too fast. Mm. And where I am in my journey and with my level of overwhelm and still handling so much trauma healing and whatnot, and especially pre-surgery, I really had a pre-surgery PTSD flare up mm. and it got pretty gnarly last week with, mm. I've dealt with suicidal ideation since I was 11. And so, like I said, if I'm not ahead of this, it gets really gnarly, really loud. So mm. meditation has been wonderful. I've been doing that um, religiously, no pun intended, mm. uh, or maybe pun intended for a year, 20 minutes every morning, just hit that chair and start in the silence, start with gratitude, thanking spirit for not, not always another day. I don't wake, I don't jump out of bed. Yay, I'm here. No, I don't. I mean, I'm being real. I, I don't wake up anymore. Like I used to, I used to wake up like ah, I'm here. Mm. Really? Why? Mm. That alarm clock used to go off and I'd hate it. I hated that I was still here. That's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. But I wake up and I have to learn how to be gentle with myself throughout the day. But then, then there are times when I wake up and I bounce out of bed. But, it, you know, and, and hopefully that will increase. But so my meditation practice is huge. I'm aiming to get to a 20 minute in the afternoon as well. That's not happening right now. But ideally, I'd like to do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. I do a gratitude list daily. And I often share it uh, on social media. I list, just list 10 things I'm grateful for. Um, I was doing a practice where I do a thank you list on Facebook and just go through a list of people and thank them publicly for kindness, whatever that they've done for me, just a way to make that ripple go, go outward. I, I'm a, I, I stream agape twice a week, Wednesday evenings, Sunday morning. That's part of my practice. I'm going to meetings now. I'm uh, of service as much as I can be, wherever I can be. I'm talking to God more than ever. I really am. And because especially with the surgery, PTSD flare up, I was like, you know what? Now's the time. I got to really let go. I got to really let God because the way it came about is a God thing. Uh, my intention was to have the surgery by the end of the year. And it didn't look like that was going to happen. There were some snafus with the surgeon's office and they told me I needed to contact um, insurance and get it handled and blah, blah, blah. And I, at the time it was just too much. And so I kind of let it go. They called me two weeks later and said, um, we just heard back from insurance and you've been completely cleared through Medicaid. Oh. It's all being paid for. And I'm an artist, so that means a lot. There's not even a paycheck. It's no paycheck to paycheck. It's random art gig to random art gig, right? Yeah. So, and I'm doing it now before anything changes with, uh, you know, government stuff. And the bigger piece around the spiritual piece is really letting people love me. Mm. so easy for me to give, 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 give. As a, as a trauma survivor, that's true for a lot of us. It's true for me. It's always been safer to, and, and easier to give. Mm -hmm. Receiving has felt scary. And I, and, and, you know, but like I'm, I have to receive because I have to have a lot of help. It's a pretty major surgery, female to male top surgery, where they're redefining the chest, and nipple grafts, everything. But the amount of love in my life, the amount of people that will just hold me as I sob, old, old tears, maybe even past life tears, mm -hmm. but definitely wounded little biscuit tears from this life when I was just a little toddler, you know, who was lost, a little boy in, in the wrong body and being traumatized. 
in a in hole in the house where it's supposed to be safe. That's a big spiritual lesson. You know, let they say in the rooms of recovery, let us love you till you love yourself. Well, I'm still working on that. I think this might be fi- my finale. Well, I don't, I mean, I'm still working on that. So there's, there's absolutely layers. What came forward for me and what you were saying is this idea that like the, the hand in hand of letting a higher power, letting God take care of you and letting humanity, people, both of those, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's, it's, it, cause I'm like you, I have a hard time receiving and what it is, is I have no power or control over the receiving. I feel so vulnerable and weak. And, and when people give to me, it, it just brings up so much like lack of power. And it's hard and it's such a beautiful lesson. And I really, it is such a surrender. You know, I hear you haven't used that word. And so that might not be for you, but. No, that's a very big word for me. I love that word. Yeah. And I just hear surrender and surrender and surrender. And this like turning point of do I go into the ocean or you know the last house on the block which is agape right which is funny and 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 yet you just okay I'll try one more thing and and it's just enough right it's just enough and then to keep going on this journey and and to expose and and stand up for your journey as a transgender is such an honor you know to write a book and to say not only, you know, me too, and let other people see you in this way yeah. is such a great act of self-love. I had a wonderful experience this past week. Um, I have my first ever male sponsor. Mm. And, yeah, and we've only been working together maybe a month. And we meet every Wednesday. He is a straight, cisgendered, um, huge man. I mean, huge ice hockey. Like, mm. he doesn't lift weights, but he can lift a house. <laughs> Just huge. But he's a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, I, I have a big brother, finally, you know, I have a sponsor, mm-hmm. a big brother, a friend, a mentor, a lot of things. And, and a buddy, a guy, you know, and um, he's safe, he's integrated, masculine, feminine, he's done his work, a lot of, lot of long term recovery, or long term recovery, rather. Anyway, we were, I was having a lot of tears this past Wednesday, a lot of fear around the surgery, just talking about different things. And um, as he's getting ready to go, we're, we're both standing up. And I just had another wave of tears hit me. And he goes, he just go, opens his arms, you know, to hold, for a hug. So I was like, and we're very affectionate and it's very safe. And I go in for a hug. It's not a hug. I collapse into his arms and I'm sobbing. And it kicks up instantly like, oh my God, this is not safe. This is a guy, you're alone. What the, what, what, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, if there's, a, if there's a siren in me, it's going off. Mm-hmm. But he didn't flinch. He just held me. And like I said, he's a big guy and, and I know he's got a huge heart and he's safe. And I, I, I did opposite action. I was like, that's old. That's not true in this moment. I get to surrender right here. Mm-hmm. I get to surrender in this. I didn't think all this. I just felt and knew this. And, and I did. And I sobbed into his, into his chest and, and he held me and it was profound. And I realized after the fact, you know, this is the first time I've had, I've been held by a man where it was safe. My dad wasn't safe. Um, a lot of the guys in my life after that weren't safe or they weren't integrated. So there was weird sexual stuff going on for them or who knows, right? So this was a first, man. It was a first and it was incredible. And, and after that, you know, he's like, Quinn, don't think I, you know, as we're talking, he's like, 
dude, don't think I, I don't know. You've already thought of a million ways why I'm not your perfect sponsor right now. I go a million and one, <laughs> and I go, but I don't cancel and I'm going and I'm doing opposite action and I'm here and, and I'm so grateful. And I mean, that stayed with me for days yeah. and it will stay with me for years, you know, because there's an integration that gets to happen in me now where not only am I claiming safety for myself in myself and in the people in my, in my immediate in, inner circle, but I'm taking these, what might not seem like huge risks to other people, but that are huge for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, um, what comes up, one of my favorite movies is uh, Goodwill hunting. Oh yes. And there's that scene with Robin Williams and the, and the son. And he was like, it's not your fault. Goodwill. I mean, will hunting it's not your fault. And just like, I really, that's what I heard. And you're just saying like to be reparented and to allow yourself, it just, this entire story has just been healing upon healing and upon healing. And I really honor that. Thank you, Leslie. And my version of namaste, Mm -hmm. babaste, my inner baby sees your inner baby and all is truly well. (laughs) Well, there you go. So it feels like a perfect ending and thank you so much for being on my podcast. And um, I will have notes at um, coachlesley.com forward slash podcast on how to get a hold of Quinn, how to get a hold of uh, his book. You can go on Amazon, Hung Like a Seahorse, a real life transgender adventure of tragedy, comedy, and recovery. So do check that out. Thank you so much for being so honest and open and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for the work you're doing in the world and for being such a bright light. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spirituality Out Loud. Be sure to rate us, review us, and like us on Facebook and share us with your friends.